0: Uh, this morning you could turn into the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Uh, sometimes the rich have a problem of what they should be doing. Uh, you think especially of second generation uh, riches where it's been inherited and or they've uh grown up in a wealthy home, and wealth brings a freedom that says, I can do With my time and energy and the life that I've been given, I I have no pressure to provide for myself. And so sometimes you'll see, you see it in the news all the time, the celebrity children, uh, what do they do? All kinds of crazy things, huh? Uh, And uh, there's a a sense of aimlessness in uh, desiring celebrity and desiring importance and not being able to find it because there's no pressure to do so. The riches have freed them up for anything. Uh, and, and so it puts them in this weird spot where they say, what do I do with this life that I've been given? I don't need to work. I don't need to do this. I don't need to go to school. I don't need to be responsible. I can do anything. I can do anything. This morning as we go to our passage you are the rich ones you are the rich children that have been given everything and this morning i'm gonna try to help us uh i'm not trying to help us i'm looking at the scripture and the scripture is trying to help us to answer the question what do i do now i've come to know christ I've been given it all. It is finished. Uh, I'm forgiven. I'm, uh, the debt's been paid. There's no condemnation. What do I do now? Um, we struggle with this concept, uh, you know, depending on what background you lean to, maybe a works salvation type thing where You have to do a bunch of things and God's always mad at you. Um, and you're, you're fearful because you're, you're afraid that God's going to be mad at you for the things that you've done or not done. Or on the other side, you've uh, been raised in a, uh, denomination or something that they've talked about the free gift of salvation over and over again. And you've got the idea that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter after you come to know Christ. It doesn't matter what you do because it's all been paid. Uh, you can do whatever you want from then on. And so this morning, we're going to look at the scriptures and hopefully get a direction of what we should do now. And I, I want to stop before I go any further and say this. If you haven't come to know Christ, today's your day. If you haven't come to know Christ um don't go any further. Don't don't even listen to my message, <laughs> to be honest with you, because my message is that next step. And you can't take the next step before you take the first step. And the first step is this uh, of submitting and obeying the gospel. Submitting to Christ and what he has done for you and to take the mess of life that you've made of your life and don't, don't be ashamed because you're in good company here. Uh, uh, those of us who have come to know Christ, we did this as well. We brought the mess of life that we had made and, uh, Christ took our life, gave us life, took us from dead in our sins to alive in Him, alive in Christ, because of the cross and the resurrection, we gain life, we get forgiveness. And uh, that's that first step. And so to believe in that, to trust in Him, to give uh that which is yours to Him, that control. And we're going to talk about that in a moment anyway. So let me uh ask you that you would stand in honor of God's Word. And I'd like to read to you from Philippians chapter 2. And I'd like to read Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, uh, so now... uh, So now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both uh, to will and to work for his good pleasure. We'll stop there. God, we ask your blessing on our time. Uh, God, we know that apart from you, we can do nothing. Uh, We know that uh, we struggle in this life as a, a rich child, a rich young man. Uh, would struggle with what do we do with these riches that we've been given. God, I ask that you would guide our steps, uh, clarify in our mind, uh, cause us to rejoice both at salvation and the opportunities of the day. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we come to a passage uh, that is all about working. Uh, And I just say it this way, it's two points this morning. The work of man or men or us, uh, and the work of God, the work of God, and these are not working against each other. Uh, these are not working separately. Uh, these are working together. So just keep that in your mind: uh, the work of man or uh, the work of us as believers, and the work of God, the work of God. Um. Pastor R.J. I was grateful that he uh, preached last week, and he talked about uh, the building word of therefore, how uh, how it builds and concludes, and and it it kind of builds upon the last passage, and it says therefore. And he took one uh, last week that started in verse nine, a section of that, that spoke of how Jesus Christ is the one that everyone will confess is Lord, and. There's these two points in time that we can do that willingly now and uh, begrudgingly in, uh, in the next life if we choose to reject Him, but acknowledge Him in the next life in a way that's not in a way of submission and worship, but in the way of I made the wrong choice. And so we, we have this picture that Jesus Christ is the one that is to be exalted, the one that is to be lifted up. He humbled himself. And then he was exalted and will be exalted forevermore. And so uh, we're grateful for that. That's part of his humility we find in verse 5. And those verses on there is humility of willingly giving up, willingly obeying, willingly submitting himself even to death. And this, this humility that we should emulate, that we should... Uh, that we really have because of our relationship with Christ. This morning, we have another conclusion or another uh, therefore in our passage that we're going to pick up in verse 12. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers. And he's going to talk about really the work of man. Um, he's building on that example of humility of Christ uh, that all will bow. And now he comes in our context. He first commends them. In their work, uh, in their walking and following after Jesus. He says, therefore, my beloved, as, as you have always obeyed. This idea, uh, how do you come to faith in Christ? It goes like this. You hear the gospel and you say, yes. You say, yes. Um, you say, I, I need that. I need that. You, you, you get this picture and, uh, What are all people apart from Christ? Well, they're rebellious. They're disobedient. Uh, They don't have the Lord as the Lord. Uh, They have themselves as the Lord. They have this idea that says, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I want to tell you that uh, that may be the American way, but that's not Christ's way. Uh, Think about that. Uh, uh be careful about how american you are uh because that's not necessarily a good thing when it comes to the gospel doing your own thing having your own ideas having this idea that i'll do whatever i want i'm independent uh, i want to tell you uh independence isn't part of the gospel part of the gospel is that you are dependent you're needy you're needy uh you need not just a savior but you need a lord you need someone directing you in a different way than you had before, okay? And uh, this was true of this group of people, these believers in Philippi, that they had responded to the gospel. They were doing their own thing. They were making a living. They were probably uh, having marriages and raising kids and being a part of society, but they knew that there was a deadness to their soul. And they heard the gospel and responded and realized that this... uh, there was this uh, need in their own heart for a Savior, and His name was Jesus. And so they responded, and they had been walking with Christ. And so Paul refers to that. He had been one who had been there a couple of times before. and And he remembers and reflects. He says, I know about what you've been doing, and I remember seeing you, that you obeyed... <laughs> When you are in my presence, when I was in your presence. And when I was there, I saw your obedience to Jesus. Uh, I want to clarify something. It may feel subtle right now, but I think it's very important. They obeyed Jesus, and they also obeyed Paul. Okay? They also obeyed Paul. Now, be careful. Uh it doesn't go Jesus Paul Kevin. You get that? I want to make a subtle distinction. Maybe for you it's not so subtle, it's obvious, okay? Uh <clears throat> you follow after Christ. You follow after Christ. But don't don't ever buy into. Don't ever buy into when you're reading the scriptures. The uh I I think my Bible I don't think my Bible does. I I have a bunch of different Bibles. This one's fairly new. Yeah. Some of your Bibles have the red letter edition. I want to tell you, those red letters, those are the words of Jesus. Ooh. I want to tell you, it's all inspired. It's all inspired. Not just the red letters. And I, I know there's sometimes a distinction in our world today when it comes to the Scriptures. You say, well, that's just what Paul said. I want to tell you, What Paul said and what Jesus said are the same. They're the same. There's equal authority, not because of Paul, but because Paul was an apostle sent by God. And so as he went uh, to these places on his missionary journeys, he was sent by God in a very special way. Uh, We struggle with the word calling, even, you know, that Paul was called to be an apostle. If I would say to you, I'm called to be a pastor, that's different, that is different than being called an apostle, the Apostle Paul. Uh, I really don't even like the word calling more as uh, opportunity to serve and to be a part of his work, okay? So listen listen closely this morning. When Paul went to Philippi and he shared something, it was from God, he was an apostle. And so uh, their response to Paul was as if they were responding to Christ himself because he was a messenger. Uh, that's what the word apostle is. It's a, kind of like a, a, a formal messenger uh, to the people. And so uh, as Paul reflected on that, he said, you obeyed, you obeyed, you obeyed the gospel that I preached, which was about Jesus, the one that was sent, you know, the, the message that I was sent to share, you obeyed in uh, my presence. And uh, you can get that picture and you can imagine that the Apostle Paul, the clarity of which he had that message, right? And they knew that he was from God. And so as they responded to that message, they realized there was a sense of obedience. Obedience in uh, his presence. Um, If you think about your life, you think about your life there's periods uh what i would call of historical quietness things are cruising things are cruising uh you're healthy you're healthy you have a job you have relative peace in your home and in your extended family or friends you uh Live in a sense of certainty about tomorrow and today that you're, you're like, hey, everything's going good. Uh, when you worry about things, they're very small. Well, I hope it doesn't rain today. I, I, you know, I, I hope, um, you know, I, I, I hope they have, uh, a, a sale at the store of, uh, particular meat I want. Or like, there, there's, they are relatively small things that you concern yourself with. Um, historical quietness I want to tell you that what he's getting at right here he says in my presence in my presence but he's also going to say in my absence you've obeyed in my presence you've obeyed in my absence I imagine Paul's uh, trips to uh, Philippi as being somewhat exciting and Earth shaking. And as he came, they, people were coming to faith and they were going, everything's changing. Uh, you know, I'm losing family members, but I'm gaining Christ and I'm losing my job and I have to move. And But after a while, there sets in this quietness of life, kind of cruising. Maybe everything's okay. And there's this importance to remember that we still need to do The right thing. We still need to pursue and have a discipline of our own soul in the times of quietness that would, uh, would reflect what we should be doing. So, so at first he, he commends them for their obedience to God, uh, in the times that the first times, those first steps, those first steps were steps of obedience. Uh, they learned of Christ and they obeyed. And obviously, when, when you first come to know Christ, especially, there's things that need to go in your life. There's things that need to be get, gotten rid of. There's, there's things of death that are parts of the habits and, uh, patterns of your life. And you realize, if I am to cling to Christ, those things need to go. Um, and so there was obedience. Uh, and, yeah, you know, I don't want to skip over that too quickly. Uh, Coming to know Christ is not adding Christ to your mess of your life It's not like collecting something and saying, "Oh you know i I have my my activities and my friends the way I think and the way I do, and I'm going to take Christ and just kind of add him to all that stuff um When Christ moves in, he takes over he takes over he doesn't say you know uh, there was an old uh, little pamphlet. My Heart, Christ's Home. And it was picturing this idea that said it wasn't just one room. It wasn't just a a, a room or a kitchen or a closet. It was everything. It was the whole house. And you need to know that. Uh, Don't think that we can cling to sin and continue in patterns of sin and Christ be Lord. It's the idea that we are in a constant... Uh, obeying of Him and allowing Him to do as He wants in our life. It's obedience. Well, He he says, you you obeyed in My presence. Now the call or the exhortation or or the, this is what you need to be doing, rich folks, in Jesus. Uh, He says this, so now not only in My presence, but much more in My absence. My absence. Now, Uh, None of you would do this, but uh, what happens when the boss shows up? What happens when the boss shows up? Uh, You you make it look like you're working, right? Uh, You you make it look like things are happening. I had the unique privilege of uh, working for my dad. And... um, it was a very interesting thing because I was just a laborer on a construction site and there were many people. Really, everyone was above me. And, uh, and my dad had multiple jobs. He was in construction in Santa Barbara and it was super funny because, um, when, uh, my dad was on the job side, everyone kind of did their job and, you know, so on and so forth. But when he was gone, when he was gone, the breaks got longer. The conversations got longer. You know, there was a lot more laughing and joking and, and then the white truck would pull in of my dad and everyone would like, you know, two by fours would be flying and saws would be going. Uh, there's this idea that sometimes, uh, we think differently when someone's watching. We think differently. Uh, and so as, as you can imagine, the apostle Paul, they thought he was a big deal. And so as he was in their presence, Especially in new believers, I, I think this is very important to remember. As new believers, sometimes we want to impress people, we want to work hard, we want to do everything right, and check everything off on the list, and, and ask the question, "Am I doing it right? Am I pleasing you?" Paul says, "You did that. You did that in my presence," and he says, "But now, much more in my absence, much more." Uh, and that that much more is the idea. That it's to continue on and to grow to a greater level. That you're to increase. And I would say this. He's encouraging them not to quit. Not to quit. Not to give up. Not to get tired. To, the, the word persevere is probably a great word to describe in this. You know... Um, I see the kids and talk about graduation and the end of the year. Man that last month of school's brutal for the teachers. <laughs> right? Can I get an amen? Amen. Got a couple of teachers here, you know, uh it, uh we were laughing. We were hearing about I was listening to the radio and they were talking about uh school uh lunches at the end of the year and uh this mom was saying that she had uh, a half-eaten Oreo that she put in her kid's lunch because it was the end of the year. You don't know what to put at the end of the year. There's this sense of like running out of gas and not having enough to persevere. And and the idea, if you can picture, Paul was there. He was there, and they were sharing the gospel, and the church was getting started. And even a second visit later, but there was some excitement to that. But now it's not a new church anymore. Probably. 12 years old at this point and maybe uh the excitement of it is kind of worn off maybe there's some people who have bailed out maybe there's a sense of it even feels a little stale and he says don't give up as much as you obeyed in my presence now much more or now increase now continue on and i'd encourage you uh for those of you who have been in faith for a while now much more much more not this idea that you, you've you learned it all. You haven't. Uh, there, there's new challenges. There's, there's new excitement. There's things in the Scripture that uh, you haven't learned yet. You haven't learned yet. You need to go over. There's things that you've forgotten. And I want to encourage you. There's, there's this idea of it at the beginning, but to continue on, to persevere. Uh, this is what Paul is calling the church at Philippi to um and i'd even say this way don't quit uh even when the boss isn't around uh and what, what's interesting about that paul was a man he was an apostle but he represented christ he was sent there by christ and so there was this idea that they were looking at him and they go he's watching and i want to tell you god's always watching and I, I, I want to encourage you in that. It's not. Um, it's so hard for us to get this in our mind. God's not waiting for you to mess up. He's already seen that in you and in me. He's already seen it. And He wanted you anyways. And He called you to Himself anyways. In fact, He sent His Son to die for you that those things that you failed Him on, He's covered. And so... Uh, to think differently and to, to really to live in his presence and to, to consider him with you all the time. Even if the apostle Paul or your mom or your dad or your pastor or some elder, like it, it doesn't matter who's watching because it's your relationship with God and he loves you and he loves you. As we look at this, this uh, obedience and uh, presence in the presence of Paul, obedience and absence. He says this, and this is really the, the command in this, he says, and and a more more so, as you've already been doing, this persevering type challenge, he says this work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. Now, um don't worry about a phrase like this when you come in, in scripture. Some of you get nervous right away. You're like, is this a work salvation? Am I supposed to earn my own salvation? I want to tell you that uh, interpretation of the scripture, uh, I don't want to say it's easy, but it, it's the Bible doesn't contradict itself. And so we can read from start to finish and we may not understand everything and we may struggle with interpretations, but know this. That that God has a message for you and you can look and you can study the words and how they, they are translated in the Greek and in their context and how they relate to other passages. And you can come to an understanding of what God said and you don't have to fear Him contradicting Himself. You don't have to fear that because God wrote a book and He wanted to communicate. And so uh, we may struggle with understanding, but we don't have to... Fear, as we come to his word, this is not a passage of work salvation uh this is not a passage that says, Your salvation isn't finished, it isn't finished. you gotta go now work so you get everything that uh you gotta work your way to heaven. That's not what this passage is talking about. He does use the word work, and he'll use it uh other times in uh the book of Philippians. Paul uses this word. And it's effort, it's effort, it, it's a blood, sweat, and tears sometimes, right? It's the idea that we would put effort out. I, I want you to get this, because it's very important. He's already talked about life in the church, relationships in the church, believing relationships in the church. And so he says to these believers in the church who are in relationship with one another, he says, work out your salvation. Work it out. Um, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, work to get salvation. He says, you already have salvation. Work it out. Work it out. And so uh, what we're talking about is something after the point in time, after the point in time of a person coming to know Christ and being saved from their sins. And this, this idea is work it out more, more, um, in this time. I think the picture here is this, that we're to produce the fruit that comes from the saved life. Um, the salvation that we have is finished. Christ said so on the cross. He said it is finished. There's not a sense of, uh, of us not being able to do that. But, but the benefits that are relating to that are ones that come they, they come from uh, living that out and working that out in life. What's interesting to me. Um, many of us came to faith when we were very young. Uh, for me, it was like fourth grade. Uh, amazing thing that the Lord worked in my life then and I could understand the gospel in a church like ours. And that that would be a starting point to faith. But. I want to tell you, there's been many, 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 many changes since then. Uh, it was secure at that point in time, but my changing wasn't over. And the things that God wanted to do in my life and the lives of the people that I came into contact with were not over. And it's that which He calls us to work out. Uh, the things that aren't finished yet, uh, our salvation is finished, but the idea that all the benefits relating to it um, are not complete. Okay? Not complete. And so that's part of the work that is left to do. Um, I-, I could point to many issues, both in your own lives and the lives of the people around you. Um, some of you came to faith when you were later in life. You had couple of kids and you came to faith in christ um and at that point of salvation uh did you know how to be a christian parent no no it was all different it was all new and there was this constant struggle between what you'd seen what you'd done and what christ wanted you to do and that was part of that thing of working out and was it easy no it wasn't easy some of us as we came to faith, we Had a foul mouth, and we we spoke in perversion and filth and anger. Did that stop at the point of salvation when you came to know Christ? It was just gone. You never said a no. It's a it's part of the work that continues on to go on that needs to be changed in you. The way you talk, and you've been talking that way for a long time, and so it's hard, it's difficult, but it's part of the work that God wants to do in you. And so he says, you know, not just in my presence, but in my absence, do what? Work out your salvation. It, you, I think, too, of service and what God wants you to do. Um, many times uh, when you think of salvation at the point in time of salvation, you think of it a, a term of selfishness that you're like, God saved me. He saved me. He saved me for my sins. He saved me and fit me for heaven so that I can be with Him forever. He, he, he's made me clean. Uh, and as time goes on, you know what needs to happen? Is you need to think through, He has saved me for Him. He's cleaned me up. He, he has made me His. And so in making me His, my life is now His. And that's part of the work that He continues to do in you, that you would serve Him more that you would look differently on your life, not as something to be wasted as a rich, uh, spoiled rich kid, but as someone who realizes the wealth that he has been granted and the freedom that he's been given um, to use those riches for him. He, uh, he talks really, he determines this, he says, uh, not just in my presence, but in my absence, but he also says this in fear and trembling uh these two words are used over and over again uh, to refer to a right relationship with God and the idea of fearing and trembling before God is not uh because he's angry with you but because of he is worthy to be worshiped and to be followed You think about someone that you are so enamored with and impressed with and uh, the one that you worship and the one that you want to be with that when you finally get to be in their presence, there's a sense of fear and awe that comes about you. And that, that's the picture of right relationship, uh, with God through his son Jesus. This is the right relationship that he wants us to have. And so he says, you know, uh, As he goes through the work, he says that we are to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. It's the appropriate response to our infinite God. Which brings us to our second point, the work of God. If you look down at verse 13, it says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is so important that we get and we put it side by side and really over the work that we would do. Who brings about the work in your life? For God is at work in you. And I want to tell you this. uh, If He wasn't at work in you, nothing would be accomplished. You remember those days, right? You remember the days before Christ. That was what you could do apart from Him. Didn't look so good, did it? It had your fingerprints all over it, right? Verse 13 tells us this, that God is at work in you. He He has worked in you and is working in you. You think about all that Christ has done, all the work that the Father has planned out, and, and you see in your salvation, the point in time, you see in Him sustaining you day by day. You see His plan being worked out in your life. You see His strength in carrying out that plan and the power to overcome sin and to change someone that couldn't be changed. You see God at work in your life. Last point I want to make this morning uh, as we move on to our uh, conclusion is this. What is this all for? This is for God, verse 13, for God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure for His good pleasure. The life that you had apart from Christ was all about you seeking pleasure on your own. And it left you empty. So it really wasn't that great at all, right? There was no pleasure in your pleasure. There was an emptiness to the things that you chased after that were going to fulfill your life. Uh, There was an emptiness to it. But I want to say this. The new life in Christ goes like this. God is at work in you for His good pleasure. I want to give you three concluding thoughts for us to remember this morning. The first one is this. Our faith is not a show we perform to impress people. It's not a show. It's not a show. It's who we are. It's who we are. Christ has made us some something different. And so the idea of performing, that's not what we do. We walk with the Lord. It's who we are. Secondly, I'd say this, and this is following in the context of the passage. We are to live humble, obedient, uh, obedience to the plan of God, not the plan of this world or, or the plan of our own fleshly desires. We are to follow his plan. It, the, the question that we should ask ourselves over and over again is not what I want to do. What I want to do with this day? What are my goals? What are what are the things that that I I I have on my agenda? Is God? What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to be a part of? Who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to sit with? Who do? You, how do you want me to spend the hours that you've given today? Ah, uh, because now I am yours. And lastly, I'd say this: Your pleasure will be now found in His pleasure. Your pleasure will now be found in his pleasure. It's different. It's different. You say, you know, I'd really be happy if I selfishly get everything I want. No, we've already tried that. It didn't work. The new way that he's called you to is that the plan would be that we would live for his pleasure and that he would look upon the things that we do and we don't do and he would say, that's what I'm pleased in. And guess what? That's what will be thrilling to us. That will become our pleasure as we follow Him, the one that we were designed to worship and to follow. Our pleasure will be His pleasure. It will be found in Him. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for this morning and the blessing of being in Your Word. Lord, I ask that You would mark us with this and that You would get us busy You've already lavished the riches on us of heaven and the riches of forgiveness that we would now use those riches to obey You, to walk with You, to follow and to serve You. God, thank You for this time. Mark us with Your Word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.